Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Ah, what a good God we have. What a good God we have. What a great opportunity to just be able to share the word of God with you. There's nothing that delights a person like myself's heart more than to be able to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. And uh, it's precious. It's precious. One of those songs we're singing today talked about us building our lives on the word of God. And I'm so thankful that we're a church that both honors the word of God in our hands and receives the Holy Spirit, the author of God's Word, with our other hand or our heart. And with the Word of God and with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is God, together at work in our lives, we can know the truth. Even if you haven't been told the truth, you can know the truth. You can know the truth. The primary, the primary truth, of course, is that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. But there are so many circumstances in life that occur. There's so many persons that turn to you in the business, in work, in, in places where you are, places of recreation, and they have something to say. Right there, the Holy Spirit is able to speak to you out of the Word of God and give you a word to speak into that person's life right there and right then. When you're in the supermarket next time and you do get given the wrong change and you know it's the wrong change, take the opportunity to say, excuse me, you've just given me too much money back and see the reflection on the face of the person that's just given it to you. They cannot believe, one, the honesty. They are embarrassed, two. And the third thing is, they, how am I going to cope with this when I do my booking, book counting and, and do all my things together? It's, it's, it's quite a wonderful little thing to watch. Because right there, right then, God's Spirit has an opportunity to breathe into that person's life. That, that, that could be their moment. We all like to look at the Apostle Paul's moment, or Saul as he was, who, who got knocked off a horse and became blinded. Whoa, fantastic. But there's not too many of us that get that moment. But my friend, you could be that moment. You could be that bright shining light for that check it cashier. You could be that bright shining light for your friends at work. When I was at work some time ago, um, they all knew I was a minister and I was just working for a bit of a, a, bit of a top up of my wage. And, you know, they came to me and whenever there was a moral question that came up at the lunch table afterwards, not, 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 amongst, not necessarily amongst them, but afterwards, they'd come up to me and they'd lean over the side of the tractor or whatever it was we were working on and say, what do you really think about that? What is that really saying? What, what, how should I live my life? Because these were young men, young apprentices who didn't know everything yet. And today's message to you and to me is about how do I live by the Spirit? 
How do I engage? How do I know when to engage? What does the engagement of the Spirit feel like as He speaks into my life and leads me forward? How how do I recognise it? I don't want to shy away from it. The last thing I want to do is shy away from it and be intimidated by God speaking to my heart and my life about something I should or could do. I have a small testimony. Back in the days when I did a lot of surfing, I know, and I wasn't a beached whale either. I used to surf on a board. I'm just going to get in first there. Just going to get in first. And I had, uh, I had a panel van. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty hip thing to have in those days. It was a HR panel van with curtains in the back window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know, because I used to sleep often waiting for the surf to arise at Seaford or wherever we were in the morning. We'd get down there, get down there at night and sleep overnight on top of the cliffs. But anyway, that's not the story. So I needed some tires for my car. I said, God, I'm only on apprentice's wages. <laughs> uh, can you... Uh, can you help me find some tires? And the Lord said, go to, I just got, I just got the name, the Kmart there at Glenalta on Anzac Highway. I went to the Kmart at Glenalta on Anzac Highway because it was on the way down surfing, of course. So I called in there and I said, I need some tires. Now I've got this sort on the front. I really need the same sort on the back. The guy said, Wow. You've got those, have you? We were ready to throw two out into the dump because no one wanted them. He said, but seeing how you've come, I'm going to give the pair of tyres, brand new tyres to you for $20, which is basically the cost of fitting and, and weighting them. I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, if I hadn't been open, if I hadn't been ready, if I hadn't dared to believe that God could have cared about the car I was driving or responding to my simple little prayer, I could have missed a wonderful bargain. Now, wives, please don't take this to extreme and say, every bargain you see or read about is just, you know. I love it when Gay comes home to me and she says, Look how much money I've saved. It was $80, but now it's down to 65 or 55 or even 45 And she says, I've saved you $45. But she forgets to mention she spent the other $45 anyway. <laughs> See, God cares more about you than what you do actually about yourself. And if we genuinely and sincerely and honestly, and as best as I can get this over to you, if we will open our ears to hear from God, He will provide for us in unusual 
and fascinating ways. And it seems to me that if you've dedicated what you have to Him, He treats it like His own property and He wants the best bargain and the best deal for what His property is, what it is that you are driving or in a house or whatever, wherever you are. He wants the best deal for it. He will whisper to you, He will speak to your heart and tell you where to go get that bargain. Now, I've seen it just enough times in my life. We were out at a youth program one night when we were in Geelong many years ago. And one of the young people, had, and you, don't you love young people? One of the young people had inadvertently forgotten to fill their car with petrol. And these are back in the days when, you know, Saturday mornings petrol stations were open at 12 o'clock, they shut. And there was no petrol stations open from 12 o'clock Saturday lunchtime through to 5 o'clock Monday morning. Crazy, we think now, but it was normal then. Mind you, it was a lot easier to go to church then, because anyway, we won't go into that. We have slipped a bit since then. So this young man was starting back on his way back home and suddenly got cut, <laughs> coughed and spluttered a few times. It was an old VW combi van, coughed and spluttered, and I saw his lights pull off the side of the road. So being the youth leader, I pulled off and turned around and went back to see what was going on. And there he said, I think I've run out of gas. Well, I wanted to slap him around for being stupid, but then he was a young person, wasn't he? <laughs> Not prepared too well. So I said, what are we going to do? I said, I haven't got anything to siphon petrol out of my tank. What can we do? Suddenly it dawned on us, we should pray. God will have an answer. Maybe we'll see lights over there in a farmhouse. <coughs> Maybe someone will come driving by and stop and have petrol, extra petrol. Hey, anything can happen. We put our hands on the dash of this 1954 or 56 or 65, I don't know what it was. It was a combi van. Put our hands on the dash of the combi van. I didn't have a lot of faith. It was a combi van. I put my hands on the dash. He put his hands on the dash. Lord, help us out here. And I kid you not, as I stand here in front of you, we saw the petrol gauge go like that. I said, thank you, Jesus. Let's drive this sucker home before it evaporates. You know, let's get out of here. <laughs> and we jumped in the car and headed on home. So I want to say that to you to say this. Number one, God's spirit moves where he wills. Where he wills. I can't control him. I can't put him in a box. You will not find a formula by which you can invoke the Spirit of God on your behalf. God will not be manipulated. But he will respond every time to your faith. He will respond every time to your acts of mercy, love and charity to someone else. He will be there cheering you on when you are doing what Jesus would have done in that situation. He loves you. God's Spirit moves wherever He wills and He's looking for someone who is willing and available. I want to take you quickly and briefly through Acts chapter 10. And... You know, this, this chapter is one of the hallmark chapters of the New Testament. It's, it's basically the second proof text of speaking in tongues being evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's a great truth. It's, it's a wonderful message that, that Peter preaches at the end of it. There's a great verse of Scripture. If you don't know it by heart by now, you should do Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were sick. Great verse of Scripture. You need to know that. Write it down. Stamp it. Do. Did anyone underline that? Okay. Great verse of Scripture. Acts chapter 10. I want to look at the men that are involved. I want to look at Cornelius. And I want to look at Peter. Because Cornelius is a Roman. Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius is outside of the fold, outside of the chosen nation. But God cares. Peter... Man, he was an apostle. He was a disciple first, then an apostle, I should say. He was a man now moving in acts of faith and power and might, preached a great message, saw many, many thousands get saved. He's a great man. But God is speaking to him too. And so God speaks to this man, Cornelius. Because he loves him and he wants something for him. He says, I want you to send some of your men over to this place called Joppa. Go to a man there. Go to his home called Simon the Tanner. I want you to go there and, and there's a man staying there called Peter. And I want you to invite him back to your place. Because I believe Cornelius wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. God actually sent an angel to him. And the angel comes and appears. Because Cornelius might not have been able to respond to a message in a different way. I believe he was a man of faith. I believe he trusted God. It said he prayed to God every day. And as you read the portion of Scripture, you find that he's... Uh, his whole household, and many of his soldiers had become converted to Christianity, and they love God. So he saw this man, he responded. He has this message from the angel. Verse 7 says, when the angel was finished speaking to him and had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And when he explained everything to them, his action was, Cornelius sends the men, sends them to Joppa. I know a Christian who's not that obedient to the Word of God. I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at myself. And I say it to my shame in a sense. Not that I'm going to let you in and tell you everything that goes on, but I say it to my shame, that there are times when God speaks to me in my heart from His Word and I am embarrassed about not doing anything about it. I worked at one stage for a, for a firm called International Harvester in Geelong and I wanted a piece of chain for my motorbike. And so I went to my supervisor and said, I want to purchase a piece of chain for my motorbike, please. And he said, oh, how much do you need? 
I said, I need about yay long and, you know, get a joining clip and that's what I need. He said, uh, have you found a bit that size? He said, yep, I know there's a bit. Where, how do I, do I go to the front office? What do I do? He said, oh, have you seen me? Yes, I've seen you. He says, oh, I say you can take it. Now, I knew that wasn't right because it wasn't his to give to me. He was only a supervisor working for the same boss I was working for. It was the boss's piece of chain, not his. So I didn't take the piece of chain because I knew it wouldn't be right to take that piece of chain without going through the due processes of bringing that chain into my property. Some years later, I'm working in a church, church in this city. And as I'm sitting at my desk at home, I picked up a biro, just one of those 15-cent blue big biros. I picked it up and recognised it as being not my biro, I didn't buy it, but a biro from church in town. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, he says, you know whose biro that is, don't you? Yes, I do. God, do you even care about biros? Do paper clips escape your notice? Now, for some of you, 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 you wouldn't care about that, and that's okay. But this is what I've found. That the walk God takes us on is a process. And things, things that I thought were just were, were bad sins, oh, they are bad sins, and they're in real trouble over that. And then there were lesser sins and lesser sins, and ah, stuff, it just doesn't matter. But I've discovered this. It matters. It matters from the biggest to the smallest. You see, God is so pure and so holy and so righteous that anything that is not right is wrong. But if when I first got saved, I got convicted about everything that I did that was wrong, I would have died on the spot. I would have killed over and said, I can't handle this. It's too big a vision. It's too big a activity to embrace in my life. I would have just fallen over dead. But you see, God knows what we can, can handle. So he says, I want you to deal with this today. I want you to deal with this this week. I want you to deal with this next year. And he slowly draws us to himself in the light. And this is the thing I've discovered, that in the light, things which I didn't see out in the dim light, as the light gets brighter, I see them more. So if you are seeing things now and having thoughts about Oh, I used to be able to get away with that, but oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable about that now. I want to say this to you. Praise God, you're on the journey toward Him. If the same things looked okay as what they did 10, 15 years ago, you haven't moved an inch. But if things are starting to touch your heart, you didn't worry about before that I want to commend you and I want to confirm with you 
that God by his spirit is drawing you to himself. He's getting you ready. Because folks, we really cannot comprehend how holy God's holiness is. We cannot comprehend how pure His purity is. We cannot comprehend how beautiful and light and white His light is. We can't fully understand what heaven's gonna be like because we're so tainted with the stuff down here, with the sin down here, that we can't fully grip in our minds what it would be like to stand before Him. But one day we'll do it. For these guys, timing was everything. You see, Cornelius lived away, away, and his men had to get there. And it took them about a day, an afternoon and then a morning to arrive. And so they arrived about lunchtime the next day. But you see, for in order for them to get their requests met, God had to meet with Peter and share something with Peter and speak to him a truth. And so the Holy Spirit becomes the divine teacher. God uses ordinary things to speak to us. It's not, it's not always out of the ordinary. It's not always fanciful. I think I have mentioned from this platform once before where our washing machine was playing up one time and my wife had called in the, ta-da, the husband who can do everything. Well, nearly everything. I'd looked at it, made sure the washing machine was plugged in. I'd shaken it, wriggled it, squared it up, whatever. I'd done the whole bit. I made sure the buttons were pushed properly. It still didn't work. Mum's going, oh, what about washing I'm about ready to line it up with my size 12. And our eldest son walks in and says, eldest son at about six years of age, walks in and says, why don't we pray for it, Daddy? It's a washing machine, son. Get thee behind me. (laughs) But I was on another learning curve. Except you come to me with faith as a child, you shall not receive the kingdom of heaven. As you grow older, you have this doubt capacity that grows in our lives. As a child, you don't have this doubt capacity. If someone says, believe, you believe. Trust, you trust. So being the hero of faith I was, I said, son, why don't you pray for the washing machine? (laughs) I didn't want to face the embarrassment of nothing happening. He put his hand up on the washing machine and said something like this. Did Jesus make this machine work for mummy? The thing sprang into life. (laughs) It lasted another six months because God was honouring the faith of a small child and teaching us something at the same time. Thank you. Am I that bad, am I? One, two, three, there we go. 
Sorry about that. So Peter, just before the gentlemen arrive, goes up on the, on the roof. <laughs> Look, if any of you want to follow the Old Testament and become lawful, I, I won't give you a penny. I won't be interested in you, in your pursuance of the law. The first thing you have to do is go and take off your gable roof and put a flat roof in. Because you are commanded to go up onto your roof and pray. And it gets very uncomfortable sitting at the top of the gable <laughs> praying. So Peter went upstairs to pray on the roof. It's a flat roof, because that's what it was in those days, flat roofs. Balustrade around, seats they could sit on, flat roof. It was a flat roof. That's what it was, a flat roof. That's what you had to have. Oh, forget it. It was a flat roof. He went up there and he's, he's hungry. I know that experience. Suffer it often. He's hungry and he's waiting upon God and he kind of falls into this, the Bible says a deep sleep. Some translations call it a trance, which has got some awkward connotations about it, unfortunately as has the word meditation. Meditation's been snavelled up and been used in some wrong manner. Meditation means sit still, shut up and think about God. That's what meditation means. So he's, he's fallen into this restless sleep. He can already anticipate the food passing. He can, oh, that nice fresh bread. Oh, and I've just dipped it into the, the soup the broth pot and oh, oh, the butter as it goes down. Oh, man. Oh, it's lovely. Smell the bread. He's, he's having this restless sleep. And God brings something to him. Brings him a, a curtain, a big cloth. And in this cloth are many different animals. Animals that he's never eaten before. Animals that he knows that by Old Testament law, he's not allowed to eat of. They were outside of his dietary allowances. And so he observes this and the Spirit of God says to him, take and eat. Oh, no, 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 oh, I can't do that, oh. Can't eat those things, they're wrong. Oh, no, no. I've, I've obeyed the law since I was young. Oh. How often have your preconceived ideas stopped you from hearing and obeying the Word of God? How often have your habit patterns, how often have the, the things that you do comfortably stopped you from doing what God is wanting to lead you into? Jesus turned to the religious leaders and he says, through men's traditions, you nullify, you bring to naught the work of God. Oh, folks, I, I do. that's one thing. I, all, all I want to hear, I will just be grateful for, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear the charge, 
You were good, but by, by, your, the, by the traditions of men, you nullified the work of God. I don't want to hear that. When that day comes, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear that. I do not want to hear that. Clock goes up, comes back down again. Same animals. Rise and eat, Pete. This time the voice says, and don't you dare call unholy what God has now said is holy. See, there's some things that when you first became a Christian, it was good you didn't try or tempt or get into or go near or stay away from. But as you grow in God, God will lead you into new arenas in your life. There's things that have been off limits before. He will now begin to open up to you so that he can use you in those new places. And when he prompts you to go and do that new thing, if you say, well, I wasn't allowed to do this before. I couldn't do this before. I'm going to stay away from it. He says, hey, I'm calling you to do this. Will you get up off your righteous and go and do this, please? Will you be obedient to the Spirit of God? Three times, three times it took Peter. It was the same man who denied Jesus three. Is there a pattern here somewhere? It was the same man Jesus came to and said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Is there a pattern? Have you fallen into a pattern somewhere? I don't ask you to put up your hand. God is more concerned about us. God was, wanted to put Peter on a new mission. God was actually granting Peter the opportunity to see something miraculous occur. And Peter was not opening himself up to the revelation that would open the way for this miracle to occur. I need to say this. This is not a threat, but I need to say this. That if God comes to you and invites you to do something for him and you reject the call, you don't respond to it, he will find someone else who is willing to do it. You will not be the last person but he's chosen to call you. He's chosen you. His first choice was you. Don't, don't miss out. Don't miss out on what he's doing there. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 10 says, Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked for directions to Simon's house, appeared at the gate. 
Pete's still struggling to understand what the vision is about, goes down to the front, front door and says, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm ready. What, what are you going to do? What do we need to do? Where are we going? What's going to happen? And so they then begin to tell the story about how they've been sent to bring Peter to Cornelius' house. Remember, Cornelius was a Roman, probably saved by faith, if not understanding what Jesus had actually done. See, the Old Testament people were saved by faith, not fully comprehending what Jesus was going to do. In the New Testament, people are still saved by faith. That's why people in deepest dark Africa can, they, can get saved. That's why people who are away, locked away in other countries where only certain religions are allowed can be and, and, and find God is because Faith will grant them salvation, even if they don't actually hear the exact story of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Because somewhere faith arises when they see something, when they hear something, they say there must be a God, a God who cares about us. If there's a God who cares about us, then this same God must have provided a way. He must have a way. He must have an avenue. He must have some access to us to be able to bring us to where He is. A good God would not make Himself known to us and then make the distance too big. He must have an answer. Faith leads you to that conclusion. I had a good friend who became a pastor who was about to commit suicide. He was in a band down in Taralgon area in East Gippsland. And this night he'd gotten in his car and he'd driven out into the, into the sticks. And there he had a, a, a gun with him. He was going to do himself away. As he sat in his car saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm sick of this. I can't make the ends meet. The sunrise came up over the bonnet of the car. And as he sat in his car, bathed in the warm light of the sun, he said, the, he said, how come the sun is shining on me? And it's almost like God said, that's it. I sent my son to give his life for you. As he saw that sun arise, creation, the beauty and the wonder of creation spoke to his life. And he said, I knew, I knew there was a God. But it wasn't until he came to church two weeks later that he discovered that this God had sent Jesus to be his saviour. But he was saved two weeks earlier when faith rose in his heart and he dared to believe that this God who created everything had an answer for him. That's why people can get saved all around the world today because it will, their faith will be attributed to them as righteousness. I thank God we live in a country where we can know the whole story. We can know about Jesus and what he's done for us. So Cornelius, I believe, was a man. The Bible says he was a righteous, God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews and how God had gone to him with an angel and led him there. So he'd been spoken to that. Peter, who was a man who knew Jesus, who needed to discover that the Holy Spirit could talk to him in this manner of a dream, of a vision. He could open something up to him. And when he rejected it, God rebuked him. 
God rebuked him. As Peter began to journey on the way, a revelation had gotten into his heart and he was starting to rejoice because he realized that he was about to see something come to pass. And so when he got to Cornelius' house in verse 29, he said, why did you call me? So Cornelius says, because an angel appeared to me. Now you've got to understand that Peter's just about jumping out of his skin now because something has happened. Cornelius relates the story about four days ago, blah, 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 and it happens. And now we get this beautiful passage of Scripture where Peter is now in this situation. The Holy Spirit both births and witnesses faith and trust in the teacher and the one who is taught. See, see God is such an economist. He never lets anything go without making the most of it. You see, our, our, our little self-sphere just cares about what happens to us. But you see, when, when we're in God's pattern, when we're in God's way, He will bless us as the receiver. He will bless the giver. He will bless those who are the witnesses. He will bless those who are observing. God will use every way and means possible to touch as many as he can. That's just God. He's abundant. Oh, please. The verse of Scripture says that Jesus has come to give us life. Now, you've got life, but he says he's come to give it to us abundantly. That means overflowing. That means you can't contain it. He's an abundant God. When it comes to teaching us and leading us by the Spirit, He's an abundant God. He cares about the two tides for your panel van. Every mother's worst nightmare. So Cornelius was a man who'd grown in faith. He confirms. And so now, verse 34 says, Peter, opening his mouth, I've thought a lot about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, why didn't you come and just um, put a halo over our heads? We could walk through Bunnings and say, here's one. Hey, hallelujah. We could, we could rejoice as we pass each other in the Bunnings aisle. You know, we could, uh, that was for illustrative purposes only. What's, what's unique part of our anatomy did God choose to be a witness to his power and his greatness, to his obedience? He chose the most unruly, often the most desperately active. So many times we put our Mouths into gear without engaging our brains. Anyone here? No, don't show hands, please. I'll just do it for us. We get our mouths into gear. We start saying something before we know what the facts are. And we've gone on and we've built a whole case and argument and history. And we've got the deal signed, sealed and delivered. Only to find out it wasn't what was required or needed or in any way relevant to what the circumstance was. Stupid. 
So God says, I'm going to take your most unruly member. James calls it the rudder of a ship. He says, I'm going to take it. He says, it, it says it's only a little element, but boy, it can steer into a lot of trouble. I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it to my glory. For every person who speaks in tongues, you have got, you have got an everyday modern miracle. Everyday modern miracle. And here's the thing, that the Holy Spirit is given to all of us. Jesus says, when I go back to heaven, the, 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 the very testament that I can sit down in heaven means that the Holy Spirit will be sent to you. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes will not just reside in one place in Jerusalem or someplace where you have to come to. The Holy Spirit will reside in you, every one of us, as we open. So Peter began to open his mouth. Peter said, I am most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. And as Peter opens his mouth, as it were, to get his sermon notes ready because he's going to say something, God fills his mouth with this message. And as he's preaching this message, people in the congregation begin to break out in other languages, in other tongues. You see, God, God wants to do the miraculous. God wants to use us in the miraculous. Can I tidy this up now? You can be used by the Spirit if you're up to it. God's Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and through you. And He usually speaks in a clear, still voice. But He is not limited in how He will speak to you. Be ready for God. Be ready for God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 